Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we share our weekly messages, and from time to time, you'll see some other things as well. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can contact us, visit bcwc.org. Good morning. Welcome again. Thanks to everybody watching online as well. Uh, We begin from the book of Jonah. We'll start at the end of chapter 1, verse 17. And I'll read a couple verses as we dive in. The Lord provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress. He answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. We are looking at this book of Jonah. Last week we looked at chapter 1. Today we look at chapter 2, chapter 3, and 4, the next two weeks. And so far, what we've seen is that Jonah was a prophet who God spoke to and said, I want you to go to the Ninevites. The city of the Assyrians, they were the worst people you could imagine. The biggest enemy of Jonah's people, and so Jonah said, no way. And last week we discovered he got in a boat and went as far away as he could, trying to escape the presence of the Lord. And that didn't work so well. A storm came and Jonah ended up overboard. And that's where we pick up the story. The Lord provided a fish. From the town that we we used to live in before we moved here, there was this Chinese restaurant that everybody loves. Uh, And in the middle of this Chinese restaurant was this beautiful aquarium that had these giant fish in it. It was awesome. My daughter loved to go there because she loved to look at all of the fish. And that was good as a parent, but it also presented a challenge because we would want her to, you know, eat her lunch. And the fish were so exciting, she just wanted to look at the fish and we would have to remind her to eat her food. Because what happens with her is like what happens with me and what happens with you. If you miss out on your meal, you likely get cranky and might demand snacks. So today I want to tell you the same thing I would tell my daughter in that restaurant. It's good advice for this passage. Do not be distracted by the fish. Today as we look at Jonah chapter 2, don't be distracted by the fish. It's a valuable lesson for us today in two ways. The first way is that when we read the book of Jonah, when we think about the story of Jonah, we just think Jonah and the fish, right? Jonah and the whale. That's what we think of. That's what we make crafts about. It's awesome. But if we are distracted by the fish, it doesn't allow us to see Jonah for what it is, as a mirror that helps us look at ourselves. Don't be distracted by the fish. There are four chapters of Jonah. The fish only shows up in four verses. It's not about the fish. In a more metaphorical way, I think it's good advice to say don't be distracted by the fish. See, when circumstances swirl around us and we are stressed and overwhelmed, or maybe there's that next thing, that next achievement, that next desire, that next thing that we want, 
we can be so focused on all the things happening around us that we miss what's happening in our spiritual lives. We miss what's happening in our relationship with Christ. We miss how we might trade our lifestyle of Jesus with the lifestyle of Captain Ahab chasing after the next whale. We say, after I get through this thing, after I get through this time, after I achieve this thing, after I make this goal, then I'll worry about my spiritual life. All right, I've been there too. And we miss out on what God wants to do and can do and is desiring to do in the midst of the challenge and the stress and the goals and the desires. So don't be distracted by the fish. The pastor and poet Thomas John Carlyle wrote a book of poems to accompany the book of Jonah. And, I, and you will hear another one in the coming weeks, I'm sure, at least. But I wanted to share one with you that I think gets to the heart of today's message. It's called Inside Jonah. He writes, I was so obsessed with what was going on inside the whale that I missed seeing the drama inside of Jonah. How often are we so obsessed with everything around us and we miss what's going on within us? So let's pay attention to what is happening in Jonah and what God is doing in you. There's much to be distracted by. But let us focus. Focus on who we will be and how we will be and who we are connected to as we go and hunt those big fish out there. As we choose which fish we'll fish for. This is Jonah 2, 1 through 6. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, or the afterlife, I cried, and you heard my voice. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows, they passed over me. I said, I'm driven from your sight. How shall I look again upon your holy temple? The waters closed over me. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the root of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars are closed upon me forever. But you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. As my life was ebbing away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. As you remember the story, Jonah has been running from God and God's presence. And then he asked to be thrown overboard rather than turn around because he has rejected what God is calling him to do. It's too uncomfortable. He rather would sink into the storm. He wanted the story to be over. He wanted to run, to do whatever it takes to escape God's call. So he thinks, fine, I'll just jump into the sea. And then the text tells us God appoints a fish. The same kind of language for God appointing Jonah a prophet. God calls the fish. Only instead of Jonah, the fish obeys. 
I don't know if you've ever had a pet fish. Good luck training that fish. We're supposed to find this funny, right? That the prophet would reject God's call, but the fish says, okay. (laughs) In this word, the fish swallowed Jonah. It says, that word in the original language has a very negative connotation. We might translate it today as like choked down. (laughs) The idea is that this fish, we should feel bad for it. That it had to ingest such a bitter prophet. And so Jonah gets this slimy three-day timeout. And there's nothing like being surrounded by the inside of a fish to make you reflect on your life. So he prays. And that's what we read here in chapter 2, this prayer. In the language here, it's about sinking to the depths of the sea. In ancient Israel, the sea was often a symbol for death, for chaos, for evil. It was scary and unpredictable. And so this idea here of him descending into the sea is, is about descending into despair, into fear, into death. It's language of drowning. It's similar to language that we use. We feel like we're drowning, right? That's what he's describing. The darkest of the dark. The worst places. The seaweed is wrapping around his neck. He feels trapped. Perhaps you can relate. To feeling trapped or in despair. To feeling like you're drowning. And it is in this sense, this emotion that Jonah calls out. I'll read verse 7 again and on. As my life was ebbing away, I remembered the Lord. My prayer came to you into your holy temple. As we read this song, we often think, okay, this is Jonah's turnaround moment. This is his repentance story and now he's going to be the best prophet ever. I'm sorry to disappoint you. He won't. (laughs) If you continue to read the story, and often in our children's stories we stop here, but if you continue to read, Jonah doesn't really change. Yes, he goes on to Nineveh, but what he does is the bare minimum. (laughs) And even as he goes, his hate for the people that he's going to And his desire that they might be destroyed, that burns brighter than any flame lit by God. (laughs) He obeys, you know, like a teenager might. (laughs) When they don't really want to do it, and they grumpily stumble away, muttering under their breath all the time. At least that's what I did when I was a teenager. I don't know about you. But Jonah prayed. In the midst of challenge and distraction and fear and despair, he prays. And so if our goal is not to be distracted by the things out there, what can Jonah teach us about how to move and how to live? I think in this chapter we find some focus aids. Some ways to help us focus on who God is and what God is calling us to be. And I think the first is is prayer. And what's surprising about this prayer is that that I believe it is a prayer that is not unique to Jonah. The language is different than the story. The the circumstances are different than the story. He doesn't mention the fish. I would mention the fish. (laughs) 
it seems most likely that, that Jonah is praying a prayer of worship. Maybe a psalm that had been used before in worship services, ways that Jonah had worshipped before, something he had heard before and memorized before, gone to before. He relies on the prayers of others. So I think a focus aid for us as we think about not being distracted by the pressures of the world is to pray. And when it's hard to pray with your own words, like it is sometimes for me to Look at the history and the people of God and see how they've prayed and pick up their prayers too. When I was first beginning to pursue ministry, uh, it was early, early on. I wasn't even, you know, didn't even have like a job title anywhere. Uh, but there was a death in my family. And I flew back to the funeral and as with many families, there's complicated relationships and when I came home, because they knew I was pursuing ministry, I kind of became the de facto pastor for the family in the moment. I was kind of thrust in this pastoral role, and I was overwhelmed, and I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> and I wasn't spiritually ready for it, and I was frustrated. And like Jonah, old bitterness that was, was within me that I had never dealt with soured my attitude and my thinking. And I remember feeling like this, drowning. But back in my school, we had been in this group where we were supposed to be doing different spiritual practices. Some of them were just remaining silent for an hour, which I'll admit I might have taken a nap once or twice. But some of the practices they encouraged us to do were to use some historic prayers, prayers that the people of God have used for a long time. And one of them came... Uh, from the Eastern Orthodox tradition, the Jesus prayer. It's an ancient prayer. It simply goes, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. That's it. An easy prayer. And in that moment, in my despair and frustration, I didn't know what to say, and I just started repeating that prayer. And as I repeated that prayer, I began to add what I was thinking and feeling to the end. Have mercy on me, I'm tired. I need help. And these words of worship of those who have gone before me, like this song that Jonah must have known and sang, empowered me and reminded me and helped me not be distracted by the fish. <laughs> I don't know what Jonah was feeling, but he prays and he turns to God and God responds. See, the miracle of the story is not the fish. The miracle is that God is committed to Jonah. That Jonah, the worst of all prophets, God continues to pursue and care for. I don't know where you're at, but God cares and is pursuing you. The prayer continues in verse 8. Those who worship vain idols forsake their true loyalty. But I, with a voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay Deliverance belongs to the Lord, says Jonah. Then the Lord spoke to the fish, and it spewed or vomited Jonah out onto dry land. That's really what the text says. There's a lot of discussion about the end of this prayer of Jonah. He's giving thanks and all these promises, and he's saying all the right things, and we wonder how genuine he might be. 
It really does say that that the fish vomited him out on the shore. Again, a negative idea, a negative kind of language, as if the fish can't even stomach Jonah's hypocrisy. I wonder if this is perhaps to give us the sense that God is saying to Jonah, okay, show me. Show me. That's what we'll see next week in the next chapter. The Lord will say, okay, go to Nineveh. Let's see. Show me. Like in any relationship when we might say all the right things, but the actions don't back it up, this whole fish cruise has been about God going to extreme lengths to let Jonah show him. It reminds me of the word of the Lord and the prophet Amos. When Amos, speaking for God, says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I won't accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your song. I will not listen to the music of your harps. But, in verse 24 of chapter 5, let justice roll down like water. Righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. We may be asking, what do we do when we want to be distracted by all the things around us? We should turn to prayer. But I think another focus aid that we discover here is we should think about where God might be focusing. Where does Christ focus? Let's ask that question in the midst of whatever we're dealing with or stressed about. See, God responds to Jonah's prayer and invites him to rethink Reimagine to grow and be transformed. Focus on what Christ is doing. I met with uh, several church members and staff members this week. We talked a lot about this church. We talked about this community and we talked about our dreams, the hopes, and the tasks, and the things to get after. And these are good things and important things and vital things. And I am so excited to be here and join with you. But I am committed to this idea that if we do not focus on prayer and the mind of Christ, if we do not focus on what God is doing within us, we'll just be doing stuff. If we are going to get where we hope we will get together, that as a church we might reach more people with the love of Christ, that we might make even a bigger impact locally, nationally, internationally, that we might deeply invest in the people around us, in the students who walk across this road every day, in the young people, in the not-so-young people, And this certainly never to be confused with being a young person that surround us everywhere in our offices and neighborhoods, our schools, among us. If we are committed to reflect Jesus to them, to love them well, if we are to become more and more that kind of church, it's not about just doing more stuff. Let us not be distracted by what's going on 
in the whale. What's happening in us first? Will we let God work in us? Because I believe God will do what God wants to do in this community, and we are invited to participate or not. I want to participate. Jonah, even as he is dragged along towards God's work in the world, misses out on how beautiful it is. Because he won't deal with his own bitterness. He won't pay attention to what's within him. He got the prayer part right. (laughs) And then he stopped. But God won't give up on him and God won't give up on us. Jonah tried to escape to the depths. But not even darkness or death could get him away from God. And wherever you are, know that nothing can get you away from God. He loves you and is for you and cares about you and has dreams for you and hopes for you and plans for you and an invitation for you to new life, life with him, life of service and promise. The Apostle Paul will say it like this in the book of Romans, as he writes to that church, he says, I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth. Like, man, Paul, did you leave anything out? Nor anything else in all creation. Nope. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I think the final focus aid I want us to remember as we try not to be distracted by all the things out there and remember what God is doing among us and what God wants to do in the world is that that we should be gracious with ourselves. Because the heavy lifting is already done in Christ. The book of Jonah is referenced several times in the New Testament and several times by Jesus himself. Why? Jesus especially references this part where Jonah is swallowed by the fish several times. Jesus wants us to think about that image of Jonah descending into the depths and then being raised up. Why? Because in this image of Jonah descending to darkness, to death, and then being raised, we see a glimpse of what will come. That Jesus Christ, God among us, would send himself to the depths for us. That he will go to the deepest, darkest places. We are never alone, and then he is raised. God appointed himself to rescue us from our own bitterness, from death, from our failure to love. The miracle is not the fish. The miracle is God's commitment to us. That God is willing to go to the depths. Christ willing to go to the cross and the grave for us. So we won't be perfect. And there will be challenges. And we will get distracted. But I love how one spiritual thinker says it. When they say 10,000 distractions is just 10,000 opportunities to return to Christ. Let us be gracious. Return to prayer. 
focus on what Christ focuses on. As Jesus said in Matthew 12, 40. For as Jonah was three days and nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus would descend for us and He ascends. So how will we respond? I want us to remember these focus aids, but I also wanted to give us a a spiritual practice that we could participate in. Maybe you can participate in this week. Practice this. Uh, We're going to put it on the screen. You can take a picture of it if you'd like. Uh, We'll put it in the email this week as well. Uh, This comes from the book, The Deeply Formed Life, which I think is an excellent book about spiritual life and formation. Um, One of the things that we need to do if we're not going to be distracted is to look inward and see what God is doing in us. And so here is is some tools that you can do when you're in a difficult situation. So step one, ask what happened. I'm frustrated. I'm feeling something. What happened? Jonah would say, I was swallowed by a fish. Okay, that's what happened. What am I feeling? Jonah would say, despair. What are you feeling? Three is so vital. What story am I telling myself? What story am I telling myself? Jonah is saying that there's no hope. God has cast me out. What do I do? What does the gospel say? What does the gospel say? That there is life and there is hope and there is promise that you aren't alone. And finally, what counter-instinctual action is required? This is the really hard one. Because often we get to, what am I feeling? Angry. What am I going to do about it? Hit somebody. (laughs) But what does the gospel say? What do I do about it? Don't be distracted by the fish. Focus on prayer. The intentions of Christ. Be gracious with yourself. And respond. Respond with what Jesus is calling you to do, with who Jesus is calling you to be. Let's pray. God, I thank You for this opportunity to spend some time with Jonah. I thank You for Your power and Your goodness that You would use even fish for Your work. God, I pray that in this community You would not have to resort to using fish, but You would use us. So as distractions swirl and challenges abound, Lord, may we not lose sight of what You want to do in us. God, may You more and more transform us into the kind of people You are calling us to be by the power of Your Spirit. For those who have never said yes to following You, God, may we respond and say yes, be my Lord. And for those of us who have been following You for a while, maybe a long time, will we keep saying yes to what You want to do? How You want to transform us? Help us to see You. To focus on You. 
to lift up prayers to you, to be changed by you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or are looking for ways that you can support God's work at this church, visit bcwc.org. And as you go, through whatever your day may throw at you, I want to share this blessing with you. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you in the wilderness, protect you in the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go and be the church.